0: This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. Neuter Integrated multi Multicraft Contractors has been a force since 1896. That's right, 1896. And specializes in welding, piping, mechanical, structural, constructability reviews, project management, and rigging design services. For a free consultation, call Neuter at 314-421-7600 neuter proudly serves petroleum refining chemical processing power generation and alternative energy get in touch with neuter at 314-421-7600
1: and guess where this additional billion gallons of biofuel is going to come from it's going to come from abroad that's not an american first energy policy we're in this together labor's in this building trades are in this refiners are in this american consumers need us to do this too
0: Now across the Jacob Media Network, welcome to the Labor and Energy Show Special, exclusively presented by the PBF Energy Paulsboro Refinery and the PBF Delaware City Refinery, in collaboration with the labor unions that build our communities. If you fix this RINs issue, you're looking at a reduction of 25 to 30 cents a gallon. This is the Labor and Energy Show, bringing labor leaders, national experts, and political influencers together to educate you about fancy terms like Rins and Reggie, while explaining the truth about energy independence. Welcome to the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause.
2: And welcome in, everyone, to another edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause as we broadcast to you on another week and another great lineup of talent, J-Doc. Two good guests are going to be with us uh, for the full hour today before we transition and we get into uh, our conversation. And I hate to be repetitive, J-Doc, but I'm going to be anyway, Uh, We're so excited, both you and I, uh, about the upcoming summits that are planned. Our first summit is now just a couple weeks away.
3: Well, actually, Joe, it's a week away. Uh, we have uh, we're very fortunate that um, next weekend we're doing the uh, the labor and energy summits, the refinery sector. Um, we're going to have the who's who in in in, in the refining industry, uh, including uh, individuals, obviously from PBF Energy and, and of course Monroe Energy and and a plethora of other uh, refineries in the region. And uh, you know we're we're, we're going to talk about what the what the public doesn't understand, what they should know, uh, and and the fact that we should all be working together uh, in this world uh, that is so complicated when it comes to energy. Um, this is a platform that's going to give the general public. Um, the opportunity to understand what's going on, so they're not in such a panic all the time, uh, and and, 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 so the fact, educa- and so they're educated. And so they're educated, Jada. Well, and that's and that's the point. In other words, uh, getting everybody educated, getting everybody understanding what's going on. And the fact is, we you know we we certainly want to avoid if, like we uh, you know what happened here in in uh, in Philly. Uh, you know, with the PES refinery, we shut a refinery down with only one unit out of thirty three that was down, that was going to be operable pretty soon. And of course, we we shut ourselves down and shot ourselves in the foot. And we want to do everything we can to make sure that people understand that that, A, was not necessary. And of course, um, that these are resources, because because by the way, those resources that they were uh, producing there are now we're bringing them in from overseas. So we're now going to have the professionals, uh, you know, on on the line, I mean, face to face so that um, they can explain and educate. People, why we should be working together and not against one another.
2: Really good stuff. As JDoc said, one week from this show our very next show will be our first summit one other reminder for our listening audience if you miss any of today's broadcast or if you want to go into the library of broadcast uh, from the labor and energy show we've had so many great guests over the last six weeks uh, and even going back to the very beginning uh, just go to apple or spotify search the Labor and Energy Show, and you can download the podcast and consume uh, some of the uh, great content. Let's jump into our opening guest. As I mentioned, jdoc doc two uh, good distinguished guests, guests are going to be with us uh, for the full hour today. I'll let you do the introduction to Mike, and we'll begin our dialogue. This is the Labor and Energy Show.
3: Yeah, Joe, I'm, I'm ecstatic to bring into the program Mike Karlovich, at PBF Energy, Delaware City, and Paulsboro uh, Refineries. Mike, how are you, sir? Doing well, thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's, it's our pleasure. And uh, so one of the uh, goals, uh, Mike, uh, that accomplish with the show is to, to, to educate the uh, general public, but also to, to let them understand in layman's terms, the narrative. Some of these issues can be complicated, uh, but they're important. And uh, so we're going to be talking about something and Krause, I don't know if I, I, we'll, we'll do a little spelling test after the show. But uh, we're, we're going to be talking about HF alkylation, uh, and and uh, that that's something I would not bet my life on that you could spell, and I know I couldn't if I wasn't looking at it right now, but uh, it's, it's it's really the topic uh, of today's show, and, and it's got to do with our refining uh, process. And Mike, if you will, before we get into any questions about um, what it does and all that, what is it? What is HF alkylation? Thanks, Jada. Uh,
1: first of all, uh, it's Mike Karlovich, Vice President of Corporate Communication for PBF Energy. Uh, it's always exciting to be on your show and discuss intriguing energy topics with you and with your listeners. I really appreciate the opportunity. While some of your listeners may hear the acronym HF and think high-frequency hedge fund human factors, in manufacturing, HF is code for hydrofluoric acid, which is also called hydrogen fluoride for some uses. HF is a colorless, corrosive, so-called weak acid that requires special handling for use in manufacturing some of the products that are building blocks for modern life. Oil refineries use HF as a chemical catalyst in a process called alkylation that converts very low-value gases into a high-octane blending component for gasoline. And this component is known as alkylate. And Again, it's high octane blending component, primarily used in the recipe for premium gasoline, except in California, where alcohol is required for each gasoline grade to meet that state's strictest in the world emission standards. Despite the focus on refineries' use of HF, refining represents about one and one half percent of global demand. The rest is
3: used by many other industries, even home hobbyists. So, Mike, before we get into you know some of the other products that are that are manufactured using HF, what what's the history of the chemical? I mean, is is it a um, is it a miracle of modern chemistry? Talk about that. Uh, yeah. So you
1: know the history and uses of HF are, are really fascinating, especially because most people never heard of this chemical, despite HF having been used in manufacturing for more than two hundred and fifty years. So. HF's quote-unquote modern discovery goes back a few years after the Liberty Bell rang out in your home base of Philadelphia back in 1776. And despite that breakthrough discovery, uh, various HF solutions had been known and used for at least 100 years before that. So there was a long history of using HF primarily because people using the material learned to handle it safely and reliably.
2: And, Mike, and, and, and Mike, Mike Karlovich is our special guest there. J-Doc, just give me one quick second. I just want to ask Mike just for some just layman's term clarity for the listening audience. Mike, why do we care? Why does the listening audience want to know what that means?
1: Well, that's an interesting way to put it, Krause. You know, although Appalachia is our topic, HF is used to make a range of products, including pharmaceuticals, plastics, electronic components, and I'll mention a couple others. Perhaps most importantly to your listeners, all of us, 60% of all HF is used to make refrigerants. They've been using every day of this long, hot summer to cool their homes, vehicles, stores, offices, as well as to keep food fresh and liquids cold in their kitchens, supermarkets, food trucks. HF makes refrigeration cost-effective and widely available. And you might be surprised to learn HF is used to purify aluminum and fabricate silicone uh, semiconductors that make our phones, computers, cars, data centers, and other digital functions work, so you can broadcast this show and your listeners can hear us. HF is also a cleaning agent in soaps and detergents, rust and stain removers, solvents, and certain resins. Many of these products, along with other goods made from hydrocarbons, Help provide us with the highest levels of hygiene, which is critically important for disinfecting surfaces during pandemics, as we saw with COVID-19. Another practical use is putting aluminum cans through an HF bath to etch the surface of the can so that ink can adhere to the label. Otherwise, your listeners would be guessing at what soda, energy drink, or beer is inside those vibrant cans in the refrigerator section. Our food crop also depends on HF. Over the past two decades, floral-based products have been associated with significant advances to help generate and ensure the food supply that supports our expanding population. These products help fruits and vegetables raised in Florida, the wheat crop in Washington State, California's sprawling agricultural belt, and Maine's potatoes farms, touching just about every meal we eat from New Year's Day to New Year's Eve. And these are just some of the examples that show how HF is used to create many everyday products, including the cleaner burning gasoline that is quite different than the leaded gasoline formula used back when I started in the industry in 1973.
2: It sounds like it affects, you know, 360 degrees of our life, you know, or 24 hour, or, 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 or maybe, maybe that's the wrong way to say it. A, a, in, in, within the span of 24 hours, we use or are affected by that in multiple ways that we don't e- realize. Is that fair?
1: Well, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yes, it's very fair because, you know, something for your listeners to consider. These projects made possible by HF are unable to be produced by windmills or solar panels which at best are intermittent, unreliable source of electricity only, as the good people in the U.K. and Europe have learned the hard way uh, over the past year. The products we just touched on require HF somewhere in the supply chain, which is why we say HF is a building block of modern life.
3: You know, Mike, certainly uh, the people, you know, we talk about the fact that uh, 6,000 products are in our, our you know, six thousand uh, products of f- fossil fuels comprise six thousand products uh, that we use every day. Is this yep. is this is this really uh, you know, um, you know what we're talking about here? Uh, that that what you guys are doing in the refineries are, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, putting you know, utilizing products that are, um, you know, obviously comprising what we use every day in our regular life that we don't even know about. Well,
1: I, I, mean, I, I think that. The discussion that we just had, you know, the, the products we talked about uh, prove that. But, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, we, we just, you know, we, we go into a room, we turn on the light, we, we go to the gas station, we we fuel up, and then we go on our, our way wherever we're going, to work, to school, to play, vacation, you know, shopping, whatever it is. But, you know, these processes, these refining processes – uh, that, that brought us or that bring us this mo- level of mobility. It's really the highest standards of mobility in history. Uh, you'll go back uh, to when the refining industry first commercialized alkylation in 1938, which was right around the same time that uh, cat cracking or fluid catalytic cracking, which takes place in, f- in these FCC units that are also known as cat units and gasoline machines were were. F- First made, were first built, and you know they call them gas. They call the FCC's gasoline machines because they make a lot of gasoline by literally cracking very heavily, virtually worthless oil molecules into lighter components using a catalyst mined from the earth. And this cracking process frees up light molecules like naphtha, which gets blended into gasoline, distillate that goes into the diesel pool, and light gases some of which your listeners burn in their propane appliances, like stoves and hot water heaters, as well as butane is used in lighters. And these FCC or CAT units make some gases that are low in quality that require additional refining. They, these include propylene, butylene, and isobutane, uh, which we don't usually hear much about. But, you know, they, they, a lot of them get uh, routed to the alkylation unit. And there's two types of alkylation catalysts used to produce the catalyst, uh, the alkylate. One is the high. uh, Well, they both make high octane, but uh, components. But one is HF, and the other is sulfuric acid. Both catalysts have been used for decades and are considered safe, commercially viable, reliable, and predictable. Today, about 50 U.S. refineries use sulfuric acid, and 43 utilize HF while most U.K. and European refineries were built to use HF. And an uh, interesting thing when you consider the threat there, Israel's sole refinery features an F- HF alkyl unit. Um, using these catalysts, the alkylation unit simply combines molecules from those light gases we talked about to increase octane and make apple that is blended into gasoline in tank farms. Heavy
2: stuff this week on the Labor and Energy Show, but necessary uh conversation j doc and if you sit and listen if you and i know sometimes it's hard when you're talking in real time and you know when you're trying to get educated based on what you're hearing sometimes it's hard to kind of wrap your arms around it i myself just listening to you know mike's conversation which Uh, which he knows, you you know, like I know media, he knows this. And, you know, sometimes you sit back and you try and catch up uh, to the conversation. Um, But the importance of it and that reference in the last um, part of Mike's answer there about safety uh, we'll deal with. Uh, we're going to get to our first commercial break uh, on the show. Mike, you're going to stay with us. J-Doc, after the break, uh, Tim Shepard. Um, who is the director of business development uh, with Beck. He will join us. We'll bring him into the conversation. um, And then after Tim weighs in, Mike will stay with us. uh, And the four of us will continue our dialogue. This is the Labor and Energy Show with Dock and Krause. Back in a moment.
0: Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. Now it's time for Did You Know? A public service announcement from the providers of this program. Did you know? Experts agree that a technology called Carbon Capture and Storage, or CCS, will be crucial to mitigating the risks of climate change. Did you know? First charted in 1903, Steamfitters Local 420 has been constructing and installing mechanical systems throughout the Delaware Valley for over a century. United by excellence, this local is proud to have worked on projects such as the Sun Oil Refineries, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and the stadiums for all our Philly teams. From helmets to hard hats, Local 420 represents the history of Philadelphia. Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, Business Manager.
4: PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit fuelingusjobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today. The Atlantic State's Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers, including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best trained and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit EAScarpenters.org or follow us on social at
5: EAS Carpenters. Operating Engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work.
0: Portions of tonight's labor and energy special are being supported by the members of the labor union community, including Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, business manager, the Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters, and the United Steelworkers. And back here on the Labor and
2: Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. We thank everybody for tuning in and being a part of this week's show. As we mentioned or referenced when J-Doc and I first came on the air and kicked off this week's edition of the Labor and Energy Show one week from this weekend. So next weekend is our first Labor and Energy Summit and then that summit kicks off a series of of summits that will follow. J-Doc and I will follow up uh, our summit next week in the month of August. We will return in September uh, with a summit and then that we, we will create a calendar, jdoc doc uh, of scheduled summits that will give our listening audience a tremendous amount of opportunity to hear from what we've called a huge... Audio collaborative of experts uh, in the space that will really, really help us uh, and help the listeners to be able to get more educated.
3: It's part of the change the narrative, Joe. First of yep. all, you got to be you got to understand the narrative, okay, and then you got to be educated about the narrative, and then we can all get together and say, you know, uh, obviously, uh, we, we we can stop the the, the insanity in regards to. Uh, you know, shooting ourselves in the foot when it comes to our own energy, natural energy resources in the country, and this is going to be fantastic uh, educational opportunities for everybody to, you know, to, to to bring in the who's who in each in each industry. So, like you said, we have the refinery sector coming up next week. Then we got the shale industry sector, and, and so on throughout the fall and and, and the winter, and, and going into the next uh, the next year. So, having said that, I'm ecstatic uh, to bring in uh, to the program Tim Shepard, director of business development of back tim how are you sir i'm fantastic and yourself i'm great man I'm, I'm i'm ecstatic to have you on the program uh you know we're we're talking about uh, you know uh, hf uh and there's a, a question about uh you know if if uh you know about about the safety uh, uh, of hf and 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 my question to you is why is it safe to work within refineries
6: well, I appreciate that question because uh, I think there's a lot of um, fear that kind of surrounds its use. And there's been messaging, as as you're well aware, to try and uh, do away with the use of hydrogen fluoride. But when we look at it, there's many reasons. And first and foremost, I think, is just looking at the history of it. It's been used for decades uh, in the United States in many different industries. And as refiners, I think we've done an exceptional job, in fact, better than really any other industry practically, for uh, managing uh, this chemical. And when we also, I think Mike had touched on the small percentage that's actually used uh, for refining purposes, and the majority is used in so many different industries. The majority that is produced, that is, by the various companies that manufacture um, anhydrous hydrogen fluoride. Um, also, when we look back um, since the 90s or excuse me, since the 50s I guess, and even earlier when it was uh, really discovered that it could be used in the production of, of alkalate, which is a really important blending component used in in gasoline we we see that there's been a tremendous increase in the safeguards so back when uh back when I started working with hydrogen fluoride in the refineries we didn't even wear what's called nomex which is that fireproof kind of clothing and now we've gone to working with just really sophisticated systems that that protect both the workers and the community and the facility at large. So it really is tremendous uh, improvements. And even despite maybe kind of being uh, (laughs) behind the times years ago, uh, it was still managed safely. I also then, last of all, I think, compared to even most other refinery processes, like uh, hydro-cracking, which is very common, uses hydrogen. With alkylation units, um, the severity, I guess, is a way to kind of put that. They're lower pressure and lower temperature in comparison. So if there was a leak or an event, the driving force, if you will, behind that, the the pressure, makes it safer and easier to to work with than, than some other processes it, relatively
2: speaking, does that make sense? It, 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 it does, Tim. I want to do. I did want to ask you one question regarding that, um, because you referenced history. Um, has there ever been a issue or major catastrophe or uh, major accident with hydrogen fluoride?
6: Well, sadly, yes. And uh, one of them was fairly recent history, and that was with a chemical facility in Korea that we know a few years back that Mm -hmm. they had a release of, uh, I I don't quote me on this, but it was, I believe, greater than seven or eight metric tons that was released over uh, a city and and an area and a farming community in South Korea that still resulted in uh, damage to some crops, but even the livestock uh, survived that, and there were uh, no significant injuries. People certainly went to the hospital and got checked out, uh, but that was a facility that, kind of, when you see the video, it's available online. You can you see those folks had no business handling hydrogen fluoride. They really had no safeguards in place. They had no water system to mitigate a release, and sadly, a few of the workers in the facility died because they had inadequate PPE. And, but and I to would, answer your question, at least in the U.S., uh, well, we've never had a major off-site
3: injury or fatality that I know of. And so that's what I was going to ask, uh, Tim. Uh, yeah, how much of, uh, of a safe, uh, safe operation of a re- refining alkyl, say, alkylation units actually depends on un- human intervention?
6: Yeah, that's a really good question because back in – the early days, I mean, I've been working refining and, and working with hydrogen fluoride and alkyl units um, for over 30 years. And th- that's kind of a small group of us anymore, but we have taken great pride uh, the folks that are getting older in the years that we've spent and dedicated our lives to supporting this process. We've really taken great strides to make sure that these, these units are improved continually. And really, when when you look at the the construction of these units and the very specifics, when you get down into the, the even the metallurgy, what what materials are used to keep them safe, and then the modern detection systems, like we use these perimeter lasers now and uh, spot detectors that are so sensitive. That uh, it's, it's a tremendous improvement over what was years ago that really very little is dependent upon an operator or a, even though these are highly, highly skilled individuals and uh, much less of it is now dependent on them making a correct decision, if you will. But certainly there's no uh, replacing the human mind and highly trained operators to validate those decisions and make the right, right course. Because any of
5: these, any
6: of these refinery systems are, uh, you know, they're complex. It's not like it's
3: just turn the key and you shut the thing off. You know. Sure, Tim. You mentioned water earlier. Uh, what role does water uh, does the water system play in making uh, HF alkylation units safer? Well, one of the great things about working with
6: this chemical, unlike uh, many other uh, hazardous substances, is its uh, property that it's exceptionally soluble or almost totally soluble in water and water's readily available. And uh, so is what this means is that water can very effectively capture any uh, HF that might be released via a leak. And that's why these systems or these units are now protected by water walls, um, elevated, water cannons if you will also uh, individually point sourced sprays like around uh, rotating equipment such as pumps so we've learned a lot over the years in dealing with leaks and how to just completely capture anything that's leaked and how to prevent any leaks so water is really the key and the first line of defense that we have in the event of a
2: leak so it's important Tim Shepard is our special guest here uh, in this part of the Labor and Energy Show with J.Doc and Krause. Tim is the Director of Business Development uh, with Beck. Uh, He's on. Mike Karlovich is with us. Mike will return in the final uh, segment. Um, Tim, how long have you been in the space and how long uh, have you been, and I may have missed it when you first came on. What's your history? How long has it been?
6: Well, good question because I'm a gray-haired guy now, and but I came into the industry back in the late '80s, hired in with uh, Mother Mobile, and uh, worked uh, which a refinery became Phillips at the time. And Phillips says I think Mike probably shared was one of the original inventors of the alkylation process using hydrogen fluoride, and uh, so I matriculated up through that system and uh, was invited years ago to work in the licensing division in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. So I moved from the Seattle area down there uh, to Bartlesville with my wife. And um, that was a great learning because then I was able to tour the planet and see um, uh, almost half of the units built worldwide, like literally, literally physically having gone in those. And then eventually that technology got sold to UOP who is the current uh, technology licensor for that. I was invited to go share as a technical uh, SME engineer supporting those units worldwide, which uh, that further opened more doors for my understanding and, and, and following up and supporting HF units. And then um, I ran a small company called HF Alkylation Consultants, and uh, COVID hit, and it looked like a good opportunity to join the, recs, uh, the ranks of Beck. And Beck Engineering is a much bigger footprint, and so we're technology agno- agnostic and able to support and help uh, with the different processes. And that's the reason I've, I've taken this job is um, – director of business development
2: and Tim, but you, check, the you, you, definitely check the bo- you definitely check the box uh, check all uh, <laughs> check all of the boxes I'm, I'm i'm curious to um one last thought on that and your history is so important to the uh important to the dialogue one last one last thought on on, on that based on that incredible history what do you see different today you know is there anything different that you would define as being significantly, significantly different today, as you as you look back over what the full timeline of it was today. Prior to the show, prior to this show, and I guess that's why we exist. Um, I've never been in a conversation about HF. I've never kind of understood the utilization <laughs> of it. Um so I'm fascinated to see what you what it is what it means to you today versus what it's did over the history.
3: Before you answer that question Tim, I don't think most people have uh in, who aren't who are not in that space. You know what I mean? In other words, um uh, like Mike Karlovich was talking about, you know, what uh you know, what it's what it's a part of and and the products that we use every day. Um this is, like Joe Krause said, this is why we're doing this show, because like Joe Krause never heard of it, and I, of course, haven't. Most lay people haven't, and we're appreciative, obviously, that you you and Mike are, are, are talking about it today, so we can have people understand why we need our refineries. No, it's a, I, I appreciate that
6: question, because I, uh, I had a number of people ask me, why years ago did I, I kind of hitch my horse to the – or wagon to the horse of HF – And it just interested me, it intrigued me. It's a very different process. It's more of a a chemical unit than it really is a kind of a traditional refining process. But it intrigued me years ago because it's a clean unit. Uh, It's not like some of the heavy oils units that are, you know, you get your hands dirty or so to speak. But it also had a lot of, uh, you had to think through problems and understand the operation as opposed to being so automated. Like many of the processes are, so it it intrigued me, and once I got into it, it just yeah, deeper and deeper. And thankfully, with Phillips uh, Petroleum I was working for, we we had a lot of research projects going on at the time that involved new developments because it's a very profitable process, uh, and it, it's uh, I've seen it evolve, you know, and change over the decades. I think part of your question was. What have I seen? It's interesting that you've never heard of it because actually most people ask me, what do you do for a living? I'm like, well, I work with this process called alkylation, and they're surprised it's the same as you all expressed. They haven't heard of it. But that's a good thing. I'm glad that we're not in the news and we're not, <laughs> we're not having problems because it is a, it's an elegant process. In fact, we kind of jokingly in the community call it the, the champagne of refining process.
2: Wow, and, that's, a uh, great way. that's a great way to, uh, 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 Tim, that's a great way to end the segment on that short uh, sound bite. Stay there uh, with us. Uh, Mike Karlovich will rejoin. Tim Shepherd will stay with us. Tim uh, is a incredible expert. He's currently the Director of Business Development with Beck. Um, we'll keep him on the line. We'll bring Mike Karlovich into the conversation and jay doc and i'll just sit and listen to the experts back in a moment
0: thanks for listening to tonight's labor and energy special now it's time for did you know a public service announcement from the providers of this program Did you know wind power depends on hydrocarbons? That's because inside those turbines are gears and axles, a generator, all sorts of moving and turning parts. And moving parts need lubrication. And lubrication means oil. Did you know? What's a boiler maker? We're the skilled welders, riggers, and craftspeople who will help you grow
6: your competitive edge. We step up when others step back, and we do the job right, on time, on budget, and safely. No drama, just results, every time. We're the international brotherhood of Boilermakers,
5: and everything we do begins with our bond. Let's get to work together. Visit bestintrade.com. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains and the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work.
0: Neuter Integrated Multicraft Contractors has been a force since 1896. That's right, 1896. And specializes in welding, piping, mechanical, structural, constructability reviews, project management, and rigging design services. For a free consultation, call Neuter at 314-421-7600. Neuter proudly serves petroleum refining, chemical processing, power generation, and alternative energy. Get in touch with Neuter at 314-421-7600. This program is paid by Jacob Media Partners. Portions of tonight's labor and energy special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the labor union community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative.
2: And welcome back, everyone, to the Labor and Energy Show with j Doc and Krause. As we broadcast to you uh, on this weekend, uh, Mike Karlovich will join us back uh, in just a moment. We're talking in the middle of a conversation with Tim Shepard, Director of Business Development with Beck. j Doc, I'll come right to you just to finish up our Q&A with Tim, and then I'm going to bring Mike Karlovich back into the conversation.
3: Yeah, t- Tim, on the safety element uh, 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 of the process, how sensitive? are the various leak detectors on HF alkylation units? And can they be relied on, uh, you know, to work in, in case of a, a, an emergency or a disaster? It's a great question because really that's where we've made the most progress as
6: an industry over the last few decades. And uh, so the, the units are surrounded by a laser detection system that literally can detect... Uh, parts per billion level of a release, if there is a leak, and uh, they're supplemented by other internal um, detectors as well, chemical and different different technology detectors that are made to pick up any type of a of a leak, which is very important because even the smallest leak at parts per billion level, which I'm sure of throw it out there in those kind of numbers. But that's far before when a leak would even be visible. Now, HF is unique compared to many other chemicals that when it is released or leaked, unlike chlorine or ammonia, for example, HF will produce a visible vapor. So it looks very similar to steam kind of wisping out of a pot, if you will. And so between the detectors the perimeter laser, the individual spot detectors, and then the cameras that are all over uh, placed strategically throughout the unit wherever there might be a potential for a leak, like rotating equipment or a flange or something. Between that and the operators that are monitoring these units 24-7, that's where we've really made the greatest improvements. And so in that regard, it makes them to, to almost no degree of fault it it really is where we put belt and suspenders if you will on the process
3: and 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 the rp 751 document that we keep hearing about why is it so important <laughs> well
6: that we're exceptionally proud of that document i was very much privileged with api to uh chair the rewrite of one of the sections in that document That was begun back in um, the early 90s. Actually, I think the first REV-1 was 1992. And uh, that document is entitled Safe Operation of Hydrofluoric Acid Alkylation Units. And really is what the intent was, was the chemical industry and chemical companies and refiners saw the need to start improving safety and reliability across the spectrum. And when they did that, um, they brought together experts from within industry and experts from various support companies and published that document. Well, we just went through our fifth revision of that document and uh, published it last year in August. That was a tremendous effort by nearly a hundred or so experts from around the world that contributed to that. And, we kind of call it the bible if you will of of hf alkylation and it's really quite a unique document because there are few others for processes that go as deep as we have and i think it's just because of the passion that we all have for protecting and wanting to
3: see this process continue well, well i'll not, tell you that yeah, I mean, okay <laughs> oh yeah no i i mean you know it, it it's it's fantastic obviously to know that you, you know that we have um, such passionate individuals um protecting the process that's so important uh and, and tim and, and, i have
2: to Tim, i i do have to admit um i never heard of rp751 <laughs> uh, so thank you for the clarity and i don't you know, I don't mean to be ignorant to the process, but I'm learning as you speak. So, thank you very much for that.
6: Well, and it it's what that too is—is is it's API as the American Petroleum Industry, and they set the standards. They really are, uh, you know, where where we look to for the standards and being able to operate the equipment that we uh, choose. The it's where everything is stored, and so with this document being there, it's available not just to american refiners but it's referenced from all the hf alkylation users worldwide we're talking from south africa to uh, russia to finland to italy to spain because there's these units all over the planet and i've thankfully been to all those places i just mentioned and climbed through their units and see that the the principles and what we put together in rp 751 are being implemented
3: and so let's bring Mike Mike Karlovich back into the uh, back into the discussion um, as we come to a conclusion. Uh, Mike, uh, these units do we have them uh, here at uh, at uh, in Delaware City and and and, uh, and at PBF? Well, uh,
1: PBF has two um, HF alpha units operating and one that's uh, currently mothballed and. Uh, you know that one is on the Gulf Coast and one is on the West Coast so they're operating. Um, as I mentioned, there's 43 of them operating around the United States right now. Where, whereas there's about 50 sulfuric plants. But uh, yeah, we, we, we have two of them, and uh, you know the the I, I know the folks who work on them. Yeah, I've, I've actually worked with them, and yeah, they're they're very proud uh, to to be an operator, an assistant operator, an engineer. On these units um, you know, I, I heard one speaking one time about living nearby and uh and never worrying about his kids in school or in the playground or at home because people in the you know some activists in the community were were talking about the h f unit um and and he responded with that and uh you know th- these these folks are are highly trained they're responsible they're 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 very dedicated and committed to safe reliable and responsible operations
3: and it's certainly uh tim and and it is i mean that's that sounds great when you talk about people would i mean you know uh, mike did you mention that that here on the east coast what happened at the pes refinery did that have anything to do with uh, any of the stuff we're talking about right now
1: well uh we'll will let tim go too but just quickly uh th- there w- there was a uh, fire on on the alky unit there the h f alky unit but it was in what we call the light ends those gases i was talking about earlier um it was in that end of the of the uh the unit um so yeah it was on the h f
3: unit um and they were able to, but they were able, there was nobody injured, so the safety precautions That's that were correct. taken, uh, you know, certainly, um, you know, worked like a T, am I correct?
1: That is correct. They, have, they had uh, an automatic evacuation system to uh, remove the HF uh, acid, So, uh, and, and it, it occurred at 4.30 in the morning, but, uh, but the operators were, were prepared and took precautionary measures. And you know, I'll, I'll move it over to Tim.
3: Tim, talk yeah, about that.
6: that. That facility just is a prime example of a properly designed, properly run, and well-maintained unit. Um, the corrosion potential of any or the issues, I guess you could say, with with erosion or corrosion and any component in anywhere in a flowing unit of a refinery has a uh, can, can be a potential for a leak or a problem. But what happened at PES um, was certainly an example of why we're, we're diligent and we make sure that these processes are, are maintained in the way that will we'll protect both the workforce, the facility, and the community.
3: Well, why did we why did we lose that refinery? Then, it, 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 you know these these are great conversations that we're having right now, and uh, you know we we heard these uh, left wing environmentalists screaming to the top of their lungs about how unsafe things were, and yet this conversation right here proves that the process worked. What what where was the I, disconnect there? Well, you
1: know, actually, I, I think that. The, the, the challenge for PES from, from, you know, what I read in the newspapers was uh, they had previously declared bankruptcy um, in part due to the renewable fuel standards uh, provision that they had to buy re- the, RINs, right? We've talked a lot on the show about RINs. Yep. And, uh, and the, matter of fact, their, their RIN obligation was so high, the, the federal government forgave most of it uh, in their first bankruptcy, and and so they they were on uh, shaky financial grounds, and I I think that had more to do with with their eventual eventually declaring bankruptcy and selling the property, based on sure. what I've read.
3: Okay, so having said that, at the end of the day, that was that conversation. By the way, well, okay. we we'd had several several discussions, uh, you know, about uh, you know, that refinery and Mike, believe it or not, that's the first time that came up. And, and so that certainly would have made a lot more sense, you know, when it came to the bankruptcy, but I will say that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome to, uh, you know, to have had Tim on the, on the, on the program, Tim, we really, really, uh, uh, appreciate your time. Uh, fantastic job. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, we appreciate obviously you helping educate the public on a topic that uh, that many of them have not heard, and and uh, and of course, Mike Karlovich, um, great choice. Um, we, we we appreciate uh, everything you've done, and uh, I think it was a great choice bringing Tim into the program. Gentlemen, thank you so much uh, for being a part of the Labor and Energy Show. Our privilege, and thank
6: you again for uh, hearing this, hearing about this subject. That. I'm personally very
2: passionate about. Yeah, good stuff. Tim Shepard, Director (laughs) of Business Development at Beck and Mike (laughs) Karlovich from the PBF Energy joining J-Doc and Krause on this edition of the Labor and Energy Show. That's going to do it for this edition of the Labor and Energy Show. On behalf of J-Doc, on behalf of Tim, on behalf of Mike, I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to tonight's labor and energy special. You can help. Call your congressperson before the upcoming midterm elections and join the movement to push back on RINs. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is prerecorded.
4: PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit fuelingusjobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today.